episode of Manic Mixtape. I am Foxy Foxy, and next to me, <laughs> sorta, next to me on the screen, either that way or this when way. I turn, when I turn, I'm looking at you. Yeah, here. It, it's like the Brady Bunch thing. Is the lovely man who makes all of this happen, and without him, this whole show would not be possible. Nor any other shows on his Twitch channel. Right. Dan Kalachik. Don't you forget it. I'm no longer the above average comedian. I'm the other guy. You're my other guy. You and you know, and you know. Oh, Dan, I'll take. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take second. You're my other guy. Uh, I'll take second. And uh, we have a twofer for you today. Episode one, we are going to be going down soundtracks, which will be including scores because scores are just instrumental soundtracks. And for uh, the second episode of the evening, we're going to be talking about music that gives us all the feels, <laughs> the sad feels, the feels on our balls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Show me on the doll where he touched you. Uh, oh, well, in that case, no, no, I'll get, I'll get banned. <laughs> all right so let us begin the first episode with soundtracks now this was actually hugely inspired by the fact that every week on end and we have these shows dan and i go back to talking about one single soundtrack over and over again that doesn't receive enough love which is going to receive all of its love today oh and that is the twister soundtrack oh yes i was gonna i was like what are you talking about oh yeah twister it's been this has been backed up like two weeks at this point, so I forgot all about that. But yeah, yeah, the 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 album that has my favorite hands down uh, Van Halen song, "Humans Being," perfect. That is perfect at the the final battle of tornadoes when they're driving down the street and it, the beginning of the intro of the song matches with the fucking orchestra and they're just driving down the street and. You know, the drums start. <laughs> Sammy Hagar starts playing, uh, singing. I'm like, I, you know, I've been clear about I'm not a huge Van Halen's fan. Uh, but that I have that on. My I have that on my uh, my pod, my what is that? Oh, iPhone. That's it. Got it. See, the, the, the soundtrack itself doesn't get enough credit nor enough love. No, it does not. Due to the unfortunate fact that I don't think anyone really gave a fuck about the movie. That's weird. It's weird that you say that because I remember when that movie came out, everybody in the area I was living in was talking about it. Uh, it was one of the. Uh, there was a unwritten rule when I was a kid that we won't buy videotapes right away hmm. when a movie comes out. But that one was bought the week it came out. <laughs> that VHS was in the house. Dad liked it that much. Uh, I wore that tape out. I'm fairly certain he still has a VHS copy of that somewhere. The only man I know that has a bunch of VHS but no VCR to play it on, which is uh, sort of a problem, but that's neither here nor there. Um, that was like, uh, it was weird because, you know, you're talking about how it's underrated and not appreciated. It's like, I thought everybody watched this movie a million times. It's a piece of garbage. And I mean that with the high, it's like how I feel that Super Mario Brothers movie. I accept that it's a piece of garbage that everybody says it's a piece of garbage. And I told you it was probably and I told you guys on Nerd Herders, it is my number one favorite video game movie of all time. It has nothing to do with the video game. That's not my problem. 
Uh, it's a great movie, but it, I understand it's recognized as a piece of shit. Twister is a bad movie. It doesn't matter. It's a bad movie with actors that have gone on to be critically acclaimed uh, award winners, people that work regularly to this day. Classic movie. That's it. Classic movie. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. And the soundtrack is perfect for that movie. It was like late 90s, so it's got that... Um, I call it the Iron Man soundtrack, where it's an orchestra mixed with metal. Yes. And uh, and it's got some classic stuff in there, too, because, uh, you know, Dusty. Yeah, I know his name. The guy, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, which I didn't realize it was Philip Seymour Hoffman until like three years ago. I'm like, holy, like, I knew it was him, but it didn't occur to me. I'm like, Christ, it's the same guy. He's a chameleon. I, had, I It didn't occur to me. I'm like, that's the same dude. Um, Well, he's playing all the old music out the side of the. The speaker. This could be turned into a twister blow sound uh, section. Anyway, you gotta get that soundtrack. It's great. It's a great soundtrack. You want to get is, working out or going fast? Listen to Twister Sam. Well, it, it's absolutely true. I didn't see the movie. I still haven't till this day. I got the soundtrack by accident via via Columbia House because I used to do the. Oh, uh, you know, we weren't. We won't talk about X amount of CDs for the penny. I I paid for mine, but I didn't. You know, they would send you a monthly selection, and if you didn't like it, you can give it back, or you keep it and you pay for it. And that was one of the monthly selections. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll listen to it eventually. And I remember listening to it on, like, a school field trip. Holy crap. I was absolutely blown away. And, I mean, the Van Halen track, aside from it, it was nice to have heard the harder side of the Google Dolls at that point. Because... Google Dolls, you know, they were doing the slower stuff and they were mostly known for that song Name and then the pop rock, but Long Way Down. Holy crap. Way down. I rock that song till this very day. I make it on my own. And and then, of course, for them to have featured a song by Belly, because I was a huge Belly fan. Oh my God, Belly. Yes, I was a huge nine, a 90 old belly fan. And to hear the track Broken, which was at the tail end of the movie Mall Rats, popped me so huge. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Miss this Soul Asylum. Wait, go ahead. Belly is no longer a thing, but <laughs> it is right here. <laughs> hey, thank you. Uh, here's a little bit of trivia. And I only say that because we were talking about that. Uh, we're talking about it at the um, off air. Uh, the the score part of it, the orchestra part of it, was done by a gentleman named Mark Mancina, who also did the Tarzan soundtrack with Phil Collins. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, I mean, Mark works with. He does like he did Moana. That's him. Mm-hmm. Like he just works with Disney off and on, and but uh, he's considered like an equal to Hans Zimmer in his style. Uh, so I always, always like that Peter trivia. I'm like, that's the same guy. He's doing that. <laughs> doing that. He's done Moana. <laughs> he does it. Let's, I, let's get a, uh, a, uh, beating on this guy. Hold on a second. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a, I just like starting with that one because it literally is one of the underrated training day speed is him. Yeah, he he's done a lot. Wow. <laughs> Look at his, his his um 
discography is just movie soundtrack, movie soundtrack, movie soundtrack, movie soundtrack. Hey, 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 scary movies still working. Anyway, Good for him, but Twister, yeah, no, uh, uh, I'm kind of disappointed that to learn that you've never seen the movie. It's like I said, it's a piece of garbage. You need to see it though. <laughs> it's Bill Paxton, man. I, well, I'm not, I wasn't a big movie watcher. And till this day, I'm not, but my excuse now is the three gremlins that came from my womb. Um, Can't wait to have kids. They're so great. No, but I wasn't a big movie watcher in the, like, 80s, 90s. I would just always watch, like, favorites, never really seek out to look at for anything new. I didn't become a movie watcher until Damien entered my life and he came to my house with a DVD player. And I'm like, what's this? <laughs> Movies? What is that? Movies? I didn't even use. I never even used to watch like TV, TV, and then he hooked up cable in my house. I'm like, TV? <laughs> what is this TV you speak of? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how that all went. Speaking, continuing with the whole underrated soundtracks is another one that you and I have mentioned because I went to a memory log of things that we've talked about. And it seems like the underrated albums usually come from movies that quote unquote bombs. And I say that in quotations because, you know, meaning bombed in the box office, but actually have love for love in people's hearts. And that's the ready to rumble soundtrack. Why would you bring up such a painful, painful? Listen, we've mentioned this because of our covers episode. Mm -hmm. I'm going to enter my, uh, my uh, memory bank as well. I almost said sperm bank, so that's the kind of day I'm having. Um, so George S. Clinton, not the same George Clinton, uh, is it? God, I'm such a nerd. Fuck. Um, did the orchestration of this, the score, and I bought it solely on the fact that it had a proper orchestra version of Sting's theme at the time, which is the Crow Sting. Because the original version is a synth, and it's so 90s. It's so bad. But his is a proper brass violin. It's got the full fucking, it's got timpanis in it. It's fucking great. Uh, And then I discovered that it's got the greatest, in my opinion, the superior version of a Britney Spears song uh, that is... Baby One More Time by Dweezil and Ahmet Zappa. And if there's ever going to be two people that are going to take this, try to be, they weren't trying to be silly. I'll go back to that in a second. It's a straight up cover. It's a, is it a metal or just a hard rock cover? We argue it's metal. Hard rock. Borderlines metal. It is a, it takes it from pop and puts it into rock category real fucking Mm -hmm. quick. Like it starts off like hey, baby, baby. It starts off real close and then quickly the drums kick in and the guitars and it's over. Uh Dweezil and Ahmed Zappa are uh, for those who don't know, and if you are, who else do you know named Zappa? Uh the sons of <laughs> Frank Zappa. Thank you, Foxy. The sons of Frank Zappa. And there that's what we need to talk about. Underrated artists. That's an episode we need to do. Yes. Uh Frank was an amazing musician who only surrounded himself, one would argue this is pretentious, but he's dead, so he can't really fight fight you on that. Um, the band was, the Mothers of Invention was always the best musicians he can find without 
He didn't have to talk to him. He didn't have to on stage. It was all feel. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so that's the offspring of that. That made the song that you would assume it's going to be because in the movie, it's played off as a joke. Yes, I used to watch that movie a lot, but it's played off by um, Scott Kahn as a joke where he's just like, so you think, well, it's just going to be him singing on the soundtrack. No, full version by the Zappas that blows the original one away, in my opinion. Absolutely. No, it absolutely does. They were so committed <laughs> to making that song theirs, and they did. I <laughs> love that fucking version. There's a, there's a part, the bridge, right, where the music stops and it's just, um, I'm not sure actually if it's Diesel or Ahmet that take the lead vocal, but he sit, uh, guys, I'm not kidding. You got to look this up. Who's listening to this? He sings with such conviction and such balls and emotion in this part that does not, should be there. And it is absolutely there. It's, it's one of my favorite covers. I want to bring up a soundtrack because I only bring this up because my your reaction to it was surprising to me. Okay. And that is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Because I just assumed you like you like everybody else that you love you see have seen and loved this movie and that's not the case. And shame on you, you're fired. Um which gives me a chance to talk about Danny Elfman, which I could do all day. And I'm going to try to make this the only time I talk about him because you know me, I'm a one track mine. I'm a one trick pony. Uh, so Danny Elfman did the score and the music and the singing. Uh, I have some trivia on this because I think it's absolutely fucking awesome who's involved in this. But um, it. Because that movie bombed. Mm -hmm. Nobody saw that in the theaters. Uh, I know somebody who did. One of my friends, because he's a uh, Boingo Elfman fan, like, I'm seeing this movie. Uh, like, for instance, like Chris Sarandon does the voice of Jack. He doesn't. There's no there's no reason for him to be. No disrespect to Chris Sarandon. He says a couple lines. It's 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 Elfman. Elfman's Jack Skellington. Elfman is a brilliant. A brilliant composer. And uh, not that this was his peak. Because he's done amazing scores since then, but this is what he'll be remembered for. Not Oingo Boingo, which more people should. Uh, not Batman soundtrack. Not The Simpsons. Well, probably The Simpsons. To be fair, The Simpsons. Yeah, that's him. Um, but Nightmare Before Christmas. There's not a month that goes by that I don't play Sally's song. It's a, it's a great song. Uh, it. You hear a guy that because he did one more Boingo album after this, like the band wasn't even broken up yet. Hmm. You can hear a guy because that influences that last Boingo album. Yeah. Amazingly. Uh, to the point where like so Boingo would do these Halloween concerts once a Halloween year concert. uh, in L.A. And there's footage of him in 93 after one of the songs for the encore, going, grabbing the mic going and delivering lime laughing maniacally and go, I am the pumpkin king. And that place went nuts because they all saw it. Uh, but that blew, if you don't have that soundtrack, if you've not seen that movie, Foxy, get that soundtrack. Watch that movie. No, I have seen the movie. No, I know that. I'm just blaming you for not liking it. How dare you? 
I have a, but the thing is, I do have this an appreciation the, for it. This is the only time I'll fight you about Marilyn Manson. That version's not good. It sucks. How dare he? How dare he? How dare he? I'm kidding. I don't. I don't care. I'm, I'm joking. No, I have an appreciation for the movie. I do because I've watched it because Jace loves it. I have an appreciation for the movie. We do own the soundtrack. Jace has good taste. He does. You know, we do own the soundtrack. You know, yeah. Damien is the first one that introduced me to the soundtrack. And I'm like, what is this? Damien's but... got good taste. <laughs> I'm just thinking on you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Honey, when it comes to his musical taste, a lot of the good shit came from me. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. But, but... this one. <laughs> this one, yes. We'll give him this one. And no, I mean, I, I do agree. The songs are great in that. I do know the words to the songs. Do I prefer the Manson version? Absolutely. It's Marilyn Manson. I'm going to. Okay. What? I had to sneeze there. I don't know what happened. Mm. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, I love this piece of trivia because, um, like I said, there's not a month I don't listen to Sally's song, but there's not a Christmas time that I don't listen to the song Kidnap uh, the Sandy Claus. Mm. Uh, did you know? Not only are the other singer, one of the other singers on that track, it's Catherine O'Hara. Yes. Uh, that's Pee Wee Herman is the other one, Paul Rubens. Is it really? Yes, Paul Rubens is. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's Locke. He's one of he's the he's the yes. I I had watched on YouTube <clears throat> live version live. Yep. Yes. Yep. yes, that's Paul Rubens, and I love it because I can't go a Christmas without hearing "Kidnap the Santa Claus, Beat Him with a Stick." That that starts Christmas for me. That's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, honorable mention to uh, his Mission Impossible soundtrack. We're talking about Danny Elfman for a second. Um, it's so weird because in my world, it's not Elfman. But every time I watch a movie, I'm like, that's right, Elfman's doing this. It's completely different Elfman. It's mm -hmm. still... I'm going to say this and it's not going to make sense to some people, but I, you might understand. It's not Elfman. It's Elfman being traditional mm -hmm. and using traditional things in the soundtrack where Elfman is anything but traditional. You know, he's very percussion heavy and percussion driven and very electronic, very electronic. <laughs> if I'm right, didn't he do the soundtrack for... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yep, that would be Danny Elfman. I, I thought, because he also, the thing with Elfman is to, even if you don't know who he is, like you know by name. what it sounds like. It, you, exactly. It has a very distinctive sound yeah. to him. And you can just kind of pinpoint, wait, this sounds like something I heard in this movie instead. And I lot like, this the whole anything musical that had to do with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory worked so well with the feel they were going for and the look they went for. It worked in tandem. Almost makes up for you not liking The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> um, yes, so incidentally, he's the one that wrote the lyrics to the, uh, the, the Oompa Loompa songs on that version. Mm -hmm. And listen, I want to preface this as far as my opinion. I'm not speaking for Foxy here. Uh, nothing beats that original version. Nothing beats Gene Wilder. Oh yeah, coming in with the cane and dropping the cane and doing the flip, 
and his reasoning behind that if you've ever heard it yes but it's beautiful like because they won't know for the rest of the movie if i'm lying or if i'm telling the truth mm-hmm. Gene wilder did that the goofball mm. that's perfect but that elfman soundtrack top notch absolutely i have a love for them both because Seth grew up on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He watched that movie and wore it out. You know, I don't think I've seen that in 10 years. Huh. I, I I have to go revisit it because I saw it in theater opening night. I was there. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, oh yeah, we're, I'm going to that. I'll see you later. There's many movies I've seen opening night that I shouldn't. I got to tell you my Garfield's, Garfield story one day. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in theater. Bastards. Oh. That's uh, can, can we talk about Tarzan just for a second? Go right ahead. Okay, so Phil Collins is great. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Those memes that go around um, about how Phil Collins didn't have to go that hard for Tarzan, but he did, and it's just a p- picture of a guy playing the piano while it's on fire. I I just love that kind of thing. So my favorite story about that is, is you know, he got that phone call Phil did about um, yeah, this is Disney. He wants you to do the soundtrack, and he, of course, he's like, uh, Okay. <laughs> and it, like he thought about it for a day, like, what am I gonna write? And then all of a sudden, you know how you turn the water off on and sometimes you can't turn the water off. He was calling the producers going, How about this one? How's that sound? Does that sound good? Hold the phone up to his like, we get it. It's good, Phil. Trust we don't have to just send it on the computer. And he got an Academy Award for it. So which then pissed off South Park. Cause that was up against Oh, no, no. I love it because I loved South Park and all my friends were picking on me. Like, how does that make you feel? I'm like, I thought it was hilarious. I'll explain that in a second. But it was up against Blame Canada from the movie and they beat out Blame, Blame Canada. Uh, and Phil did. And I was like, oh, oh, God, he pissed off the wrong too. So in one episode, Foxy, they, they, made, they made fun of Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Brilliantly, by the way. I thought it was hilarious. People tell me I'm not self-deprecating. This is this was the funniest. Thing. Doesn't that piss you off? No, because it was funny. Um, and also, Phil slept on his bed made of money. He didn't care either. Um, so Phil's just like a Monty Python-like character. Uh-huh. Talking like, you know, you've seen it, I'm sure. And by the end of the episode, he's got the Grammy shoved up his ass or the Oscar uh-huh. shoved up his ass. And he's holding it the entire time, which is also very funny. Yes. Um but that that episode insinuates, and I took this personally for a second, that the only reason why anyone would like Phil Collins is if they're on Ritalin, and I was on so much Ritalin at the time. So that oh, it it attacked me in two parts, Foxy, and I got over it the next day because I'm like, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it was real funny. No, it is. It's It was hilarious. I'm like. I'm just sitting there watching this going, I mean, I can't even be mad because that's brilliant. But, but that hit me in two places. I'm like, I, I got nothing. I got nothing for y'all. <laughs> they didn't really care. They were just like, oh, he won? Okay, well, let's get to right. Mm-hmm. I remember that episode, but I forgot about the riddle in part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as they get off the riddle, they're like, wait a minute, Phil Collins sucks ass. <laughs> you bastards. You bastards. Uh, back to you. Take it back over. Taking it back over. Well, if we're, since we're going with like, you know, the scores and the things that we love at the moment, bar none, great soundtrack, 
as well as great score, top of the list for me goes to The Crow. The Crow soundtrack, other than being like the quintessential goth soundtrack for many goth kids back in the 90s, the artists that they got to perform all ended up bringing the same feel and the same sound. Like, if there was no track two and three, track one by The Crow would meld seamlessly into track four, which is Nine Inch Nails, Dead Souls. And Jesus, it all has that just same somber yet almost apocalyptic sound because on a technicality the crow is considered almost like an apocalyptic movie due to the fact that the town at that time is you know being destroyed and is in ruins etc etc but equally as good as the instrumental soundtrack which is i can never pronounce this guy's name graham Raval, i think is how you pronounce it oh graham Raval. yeah yeah he did the score he did he did freddie versus jason which is another one of those metal, new metal orchestra soundtracks. Oh, dude, I got a whole thing about that. I got a whole thing about that. Okay, well, that, uh, that was going to be on my list. So we'll talk about that right after we're done with the Crow. Yes. No, but the, the Crow soundtrack, again, it's one of those things where, I, I mean, I feel a, music is so important to a movie if you choose to have so music man. in a movie. It can make and break it, you know, which goes into a whole other thing that I had written down too. But again, the Crow soundtrack, they managed to get these bands that don't even have the sounds to emulate the sound. I mean, the Violent Femmes, they're, you know. Well, they're, I would argue the Cures is pretty yeah. much is the, the Crow yeah. antithesis to you know, yeah, whatever exactly. the word is. But, you know, when, when you got a band like the Violent Femmes, where it's like you hear, you know, Blister in the Sun, that's fun and upbeat, you know, or that uh, I can't think of the other fucking song that I love by them at the moment because I'm brain farting all over the place. But, you know, you don't, you don't think of Violent Femmes fitting into a goth industrial melancholic soundtrack, but when they did Color Me Once, I believe, it fits everything. They took their sound, threw it away, and went... This is what we're giving you. And that is absolutely amazing to me. Again, that these bands were just like, all right, well, some of these sounds aren't ours, but you know what? We got this. Sure. Absolutely. Made everything. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I haven't heard that. I The music in my head is not, I have to go rewatch. I have not seen that movie in like 20 years. Wow. It's a bummer for me because I'm like, hell, he's dead. I'm getting such an enjoy at watching. You know what I mean? Like I, I used to be able to separate that, but then when when you grow up and you read about it, and you, when you become you know older to comprehend what actually happened, you're like, I can't watch this. Yeah, I can't watch the Twilight Zone movie because I like that movie. I loved that movie as a kid, believe it or not, because my dad like had me watch that, terrified the fuck out of me. Um, but I used to watch it all the time. And then you find out what happened with Landis and Moro and you go to that scene like I can't watch I can't watch this mm-hmm. it's terrible so I'd have to go back and revisit that not the sequel fuck that movie you like the you like the sequel you saying to revisit it I hated that movie I would revisit it 
because I try not to watch it as a sequel. Sequel. Yeah, it's a it's is it like the Suicide Squad where it's like technically the same universe, but we're starting over, kind of. Yes and no, because the Crow itself had many different stories. Oh, comic sure. book wise, comic book, yeah, of course. Yeah. Cool. Even um, generic mass mass market paperback wise, and with the exception of City of Angels, every Crow movie that's oh my god. Every Crow movie that's come out since is my alarm. Sorry. Every movie that's come out since directly correlated to one of the books. Since? How many goddamn Crow movies are there? Four. There's The Crow, The Crow City of Angels, which they tried to make a sequel. Just by including the character of Sarah. That's the only... That's the only that's, link. That's the only link. Then there's The Crow Salvation. Blowing my, blow my mind here. Features uh, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, well, I'll skip that one. And then there is The Crow... Wicked Prayer. Wicked Prayer, yes. And that one features um, David Boreanaz, Eddie Furlong, and, if I'm right, Tara Reed. And, again... Those are Ooh, the, uh, the, the book that came out. I just saw who David Boreanaz plays. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to watch that. I didn't know those existed at all. They're great movies because we've seen them with the exception of Tara Reid's acting. And the thing is, is, you know, they okay. get compared to the first Crow. And it's like the no, Crow itself is a legacy. It's it, It's not, they're not all sequels it's just the crow is a thing it's a thing that happens it can happen to anybody but so we'll see i'm not well versed in the story like that is just the comic book i never picked up or got into so i i don't know i i'd be like yeah whatever you say you're the expert <laughs> or you know the story is what i mean well yeah. I, first of all i'll revisit that one and watch the other two considering to, i'm 38 years old uh, on Monday, and I just learned that there's two other Crow movies I didn't know existed, and one of them stars Philadelphia's own Dave Boreanaz, who okay. should never ever do an Irish accent. No, never. I think they just had him. They wrote scenes in Angel for him to go to Ireland just to get the shithead to do it, <laughs> just because. It's like me going. Hey, 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 hey. God, that was so bad. Oh, the bad. of Angel soundtrack falls into my better than the movie soundtracks, uh, though, because. The Crow, the movie, I mean, hit and miss, but the soundtrack was so good. So good. It's not that good as Tarzan, but so does the Brother Bear soundtrack falls in that. The the, the other uh, Disney movie, Phil Constant, the, the trailer for, or the, the trailer, the, uh, the uh, uh, soundtrack for, because uh, that movie's terrible. Mm-hmm. But comparing, if you try to compare it to Tarzan, don't, because it's, no, you're not going to do that twice. But it's a, it's, I, I've, I've never watched that whole movie. Like I started watching, and it's got nothing to do with content. I just thought, I was just like, I'm not into this. Yeah. I, I would have to revisit it. It's been, it's been like release year since I've even tried. But, you know, I started watching it going, eh, and just skipped to the reunion of um, uh, uh, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis as uh, Rick Tick. 
<laughs> for the Great White North. That's what I want to. Oh, yay. Take off. That's funny. Um, Tron Legacy. First of all, I want to say is the as far as the movie, if anybody out there slept on this movie and you're the reason I'm not getting a third one, I hate you. Trust me, I curse you once a year in your existence of ignoring it. Go fuck yourself. Number one. Number two, that soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. That <laughs> soundtrack. Oh, who is Staff Punk? I was playing, I was drawing a blank. It's Daft Punk. They actually make an appearance in the movie because it's easy to stick them into the Tron world with their helmet. I just remember coming out of that, first of all, at the end of that movie going, first of all, I can't believe I'm here 30 years later watching a Tron sequel in the theater in 3D. Uh, Second of all, that fucking music's great. (laughs) And uh, you say, you know, uh, the music makes a movie. I loved that movie. The death. I will rewatch that on a good day. On a bad day, I'll rewatch that movie. But that is something that 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 soundtrack just gives it a just that little equal. Mm-hmm. I love that that soundtrack. Oh my god, uh, it's so good. And uh, I will say the same thing about Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner. Just to mm-hmm. say on the synth theme, which you say that three times real fast. Synth synth theme synth theme. Synth, nope, can't do it. Um, where I think that that movie's amazing and Van Gelis just whoop, just a little which will go into our emotion episode later <laughs> don't forget to let me bring up Blade Runner got it I will write that down thank you Blade uh, Runner honorable oh here here's a soundtrack that's better than the movie uh, there's a movie called Against All Odds Terrible fucking movie. A fucking terrible romantic movie in, from the mid-80s. Uh, but <laughs> it's got a Genesis reunion on it. It's got Phil. It's got Peter Gabriel. And it's got Mike Rutherford. <laughs> and those songs alone, <laughs> with the rest of that soundtrack, blow that piece of garbage away. <laughs> it's not an enjoyable piece of garbage. Not a great movie. Not good at all. As with most James Woods movies, that's not vampire. <laughs> I said it. I mean, uh, in the late, I want to say late 90s, early 2000s, there were a lot of soundtracks that were better than the movie. I actually have a theory with it. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, what started with Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. <clears throat> Danny Elfman. Well, the soundtrack in general was good. Yeah. You know, a lot of people hate the song, but the Chad Kroger, Josie Scott hero song, I love it. Fine song. Right? Fuck's around with that song. Exactly. I will you know, Nickelback. So. Go fuck yourselves. They tried to make Lightning Strike twice. Sometimes even three times when it came to Daredevil and Elektra. The soundtracks were actually a lot better than those movies. And you can tell they put way more work into the soundtracks 
than the movies. A wet fart in church will be better than both of those movies. Agreed. Sorry, I said it. I love Affleck. I love Batfleck. No. No, I I agree. A hundred percent. And then they also did it with Punisher. Now, I like the Thomas Jane Punisher film. I really do. But you could see that they went overboard with the soundtrack. Probably. Pace to compensate yeah. for probably, the track record. Probably like that movie more than it deserves. I really, really like that movie. Me too. <laughs> but yes, the soundtrack blew that one kind of away. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking to my uh, world, I was holding off on this to... Uh, on purpose, but you know, Ghostbusters. Ever hear Ghostbusters? What? What? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Which one? Uh, uh, yes. The answer is yes. Um, actually, see, so this is where I get a little bit of heat. The uh, and this is just irony. The Ghostbusters two soundtrack never got released until Thursday. Really? 1989 to Thursday, it's not been released. It was just released this week. So nobody ever heard the Randy Edelman score until this year, outside of the movie. The, the score, the soundtrack came out with Oingo Boingo on it, uh, uh, Run DMC. Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown. That uh, song lives rent-free in my head out good, of good, nowhere. Like, good. I will be, like, sitting on the fucking toilet, peeing, and out of nowhere. When I guess. Yes! Out of nowhere, the fucking song just comes playing in my head. That song, like, is forever an earworm, because it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Sometimes, well, at least once a week... It's too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They call the gold bus. And I'm like, oh my God, stop. See, here's the thing. Um, that, it's not even that song. Dougie Fresh is on there too. Really? Uh, yeah, they do the song Spirit. Uh, it's not even that song. It's um, the second song he did on that soundtrack called We're Back that gets stuck in my head that I actually have as one of the HIAC intros when Omega Squad comes back on because it's We're Back. Um, and I love that. It's a great soundtrack. And the score, the score is amazing. But that original movie, then I'll get to the third one. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I called it the third one. I hope that pisses a bunch of Ghostbusters fans off. I'm like, it doesn't exist. It does exist. Live with it. <laughs> um, first one's classic. Classic. It's back in those days where like comedies didn't get scores. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Animal House has a score. Same guy, by the way. Um, Real Steam. Um, so you had this goofball, disgusting, dirty, college joke-filled, sex-filled, disgusting, filthy movie with this, you know, it intros with brass and full orchestra in it. And it's like, well, that didn't happen very often. Like there was a lull from the the gold golden years to the to the late seventies early eighties. Um, Stripes has got one. Same guy. Ghostbusters. Same guy. Um, everybody hears that main theme mm-hmm. in their head. You know, when you put the video game on, it's on there too. Uh, Ghostbusters twenty sixteen uh, is a fine soundtrack. 
I did feel as much as I, and I love that movie, uh, Answer the Call was lacking in one way, and I thought the soundtrack was fine. Mm -hmm. But there is one moment in that movie where the soundtrack hits perfectly, and it's at that last battle before the, the, uh, uh, the final form, where they're battling all the ghosts in Times Square, and Holtzman licks the gun and goes, let's go. And it's an orchestral version of the Ghostbusters theme. And it's just, it was like their Avengers moment, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm, all right, who needs, to, who needs to get some ass kicked? Because I'm down. Like <laughs> The rest of the soundtrack's fine. Hmm. That's just me. That's disappointing. Yeah. No, it were it's fine. It's it's not bad. It's fine, but you know, in my it, I expected more. In yeah. my head, you have the original, mm -hmm. and then you just have this is fine. Yeah, and I get it. I I absolutely get it because I mean, I kind of feel the same way when it comes to the Empire Records soundtrack. I love the Empire Records movie, and in that movie, there is track after track after track after track. You know, and I'm sorry, till this very day, when I hear Plowed by Sponge, my mind immediately goes to Empire Records, Damn the Mans, and it, it, it gets me pumped up. But the soundtrack itself lacked like 75 to 80% of the songs in the film, with the exception of two tracks, or maybe even three. And that disappointed the hell out of me. Luckily, some random person on Spotify created the entire soundtrack as a there playlist. You yeah, there you go. You know, in chronological order of how it's played, and that made me very, very happy. But to receive the soundtrack in the '90s, expecting to hear, you know, the ACDC song and the Sponge song, and getting other tracks that were played very, very low in the background of certain scenes that you didn't even know were in the movie was like, okay. That and they gave you the version of Sugar High without Renee Rails Zellweger, and it was like, why? Why did you do that? How dare Thank you? Thank you. So I get it. One I of my fa my favorite soundtracks is um, the movie Heat, the Michael Mann movie starring uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, uh, Val Kilmer, Ashley Judd, John Voight. Tom Sizemore, Danny Trejo, Henry Rollins, that one bad guy that's a bad guy in every movie, the other bad guy that's a bad guy in every movie. That's not Danny Trejo because Danny Trejo is not really a bad guy. I mean, technically he's a bad guy. Um, uh, Ted Levine, who is the uh, the bad guy, he's Wild Bill in Silence of the Lambs. He plays a, he plays a detective, completely different looking person. It's good. Now I want to, I want to, I want a, a, a patrol at Figaro and Flower. You listen to this voice, you're like, "Is she like a big fat person?" Oh, it is him. <laughs> uh, but the uh, the score is about uh, is by Elliot Goldenthal. It's one of those perfect. It's not better. It's perfect match for that rest of that movie, and that's a long movie. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Long movie, great movie. Uh, and it's also got a song by Beck and uh, not Beck, uh, Moby mm. in there with Elliot Goldenthal. It's great. U2's on it. 
which with debatable is good or bad. Um, <laughs> I say bad, but I've been wrong before. And Brian Eno, that doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. That means a lot to me, the Brian Eno thing. Anyway, I, I can't think of any more off the top of my head, really. I guess uh, I'm going to save that Blade Runner uh, yeah, thing for the next it. episode. I wrote it down. Nice. Uh, one that, a soundtrack that disappointed me, aside from the movie, for a different reason is the resident evil soundtrack now oh there you go yeah First I, movie? yeah now not saying i don't like the uh the tracks selected for it they were fine and you know the the score parts that are actually featured on the main soundtrack they're fine you know they've become kind of iconic sounds but given who compositions the soundtrack and composed the score, I was very disappointed because the person who did all that was Marilyn Manson. Ah. Yes. And this yeah. is while he was at his peak, mind you. And it was very, uh, this is what put out. Great, thanks. Yeah, really. On the flip side of things, a person who I did not expect to compose a great soundtrack, as well as compose fantastic lyrics, and then hire people to sing those lyrics who fit what he heard in his head was Jonathan Davis when he composed the Queen of the Damned soundtrack. That's right. Yeah. Which I've forgotten I, most of. I love that soundtrack from track one to its last. And the fact that he did all of that, like I said, he composed the all the tracks, he wrote the lyrics, and he found the perfect people to sing them. Because in the movie, when the tracks are featured, you know, they're they're technically the songs by the vampire Lestat. And to make it all <laughs> one person, he sang the songs for Lestat, which was horrible. But then, thankfully, like I said, he picked artists that were huge at the time because it was technically new metal days. So, you know, you got Chester Bennington of Linkin Park on it. You got, That's good. You got, like, Orgy, Deftones. You got Draymond, you know. Well, but, we can't all be perfect. Exactly. You know, but... He compiled a great new metal soundtrack. Wait a minute, you said good singers. What's Draymond doing on there? <laughs> Fuck you, disturbed. Touche, touche. But again, he took the best of new. What he did? Okay, he did what Graham Raval did for The Crow, because again, all the tracks on the Queen of the Damned are supposed to be from like the vampire Lestat's point of view. So they all have that sound from what that fictional band would be. And again, he took these new metal artists. He took or you know, Orgy, Lincoln Park, Disturbed, Deftones, 
Godhead, et cetera, et cetera. Godhead, and, yeah, there you go. And made all the tracks sound seamless, even though that wasn't their sound. Like, you know, you know Orgy as, you know, new metal electronic almost. But when Jay Gordon sings on Slept So Long, it fits that goth, uh, I guess you could call symphonic industrial yeah. sound that sure. fits the entire movie. In the Queen of the Damned, that's based on the, is that a separate book than the Vampire Lestat? Uh, I, uh, uh, I can explain this, sort of. Because I got two Anne Rice. It's three books? No. Yeah. It's the third book. Got it. Go ahead. Go. Technically, it's the third book. Yeah, but. But a lot was purposely taken out. Oh, sure. Yeah. Just to fit. My question is, is any of the musical elements in the books? Yes. They are. Okay. I didn't know that. That's what I was asking. It just occurred to me as we're talking about it. I'm like, wait a minute. The musical st- is that is did Anne Rice write that in? She oh, did. Well, huh? She didn't write like the lyrics or anything. No, no, no. But I'm saying that the that he was yeah, got it. Wow. Bands and yes. Nice. Yes. I can't wait for that series. Me neither. That uh, I uh, we this is a whole a whole as Craig Lagan says. HNP whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that movie. Me too. I really love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing how much more there is and how much that one Anne Rice is involved, I I just need I need that pronto into my main. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, yeah um, I I try to see Queen of the Damned as just its own movie. Sure, that's how because I watched the movie before I had read the book. Oh, and and so like there was a direct so did everybody else well that's not true it was a bestseller i take that back you know it was but like you know know what i meant i know what you mean but like i i just i love the movie and the soundtrack is bar none amazeballs staying in the vampire uh world uh bram stroker's dracula by francis ford coppola Mm. i cannot pronounce this dude's name uh Thanks, computer. Can you can you show that's not gonna pop up? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I, I can't pronounce that. Would you 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 would it didn't do as well as it should, but it's visually stunning. It's Coppola. You can direct him, folks. Mm-hmm. We can ignore Apocalypse Now because I'm on the other side of that argument. I hate that movie. I know that's blasphemy, but you guys want to waste three hours? Go watch Apocalypse Now, and you'll be re- you'll regret the waste of the time. Um, the movie about making that movie is better. <laughs> um, but past that, amazing director for selfish reasons. Uh, and he did Dracula. And there's a lot of problems that happened with that movie and it bombed technically, but it, I thought it was a fine movie. I thought it's fine. And, you know, we've discussed ad nauseum uh, Gary Oldman's portrayal as Dracula because Gary Oldman's amazing in everything he does, period. 
Uh, but that soundtrack is fantastic. And he got an award. Like, it was a guy that was respected and known that he does this movie, and all of a sudden, American eyes are on him. And he was just lavished with, well, no, the soundtrack's amazing. <laughs> so, honorable mention to Bram Stoker's uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Walt Disney's Dracula. <laughs> I only mentioned that because I love the uh, Walt Disney's The Little Mermaid. Is Hans Christian? No, Walt, you can't. You're dead. You can't do that. Well, keeping in line with the vampires, then, going into that one little footnote I made, how from 99 to 2001, every fucking movie that came out had to have a new metal soundtrack. <clears throat> Blair Witch 2. Blair Witch 2, Valentine's Day, Dracula 2000. Any remember that one. Any pseudo horror movie that came out from 99 to 2001 all featured the same artist. There was always a Disturbed track, a Papa Roach track, a Linkin Park track, a just a freaking It was insane. I feel like every soundtrack I bought was literally the same exact soundtrack. Got old after a while. It did. Um, it did. You were going to mention Freddy versus Jason earlier. Yes. Not only do I love that movie, I love that soundtrack. It, I think it's perfect because it's a cheesy, shitty movie, an excuse to put Freddy Krueger in there with Jason Voorhees. Mm -hmm. uh, I would argue that the acting is good, and I think it was right before the end of that era. There was this weird era that we're in now where horror movies comes out and the actors are like, mm -hmm. Mediocre. Yeah, mediocre is the word for it. Yeah, I said mediocre. Mediocre. Because you look at the, like, for example, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, you look at the, the actors in that, you're like, I mean, Johnny Depp, um, victim of Amber Heard, I said it. Mm hmm. Um, but the acting is always top notch. And then you get to even the one, Freddy Krueger, even the Nightmare on Elm Street films that I loathe. Such as five. I loathe that movie. Loathe it. The acting wasn't the problem. Um, Freddy vs. Jason, starring Jason Ritter, John Ritter's son. Mm. The acting's top notch. It's a piece of garbage. A lot of it doesn't age too well. Looking at you, um, what was Noel's? What's uh, Beyonce's sister's name? Not Beyonce. Yeah. No. no uh, Kelly Rowland. Kelly Rowland. These, yes. Um, I'm. I get the sister and Kelly Rowland, uh, Beyonce's sister and Kelly Rowland confused. Um, that one line she utters, not great. We can ignore that. But the movie was great and the soundtrack was great. Yes. When, new, when it was acceptable. I think that's the only thing that's aged about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, by the way, is that soundtrack on Iron Man. Yeah. Ugh. Every time it starts, I'm like, ooh, forgot about that. <laughs> Oops. You know that it, it's so funny because, again, there was that point in Marvel, the Sony Marvel stuff, where they relied heavily on the soundtracks as opposed to the movie. So of course, when they really started the cinematic universe with Iron Man and with Hulk, I was actually anticipating an album, you know? Yeah. And to get none, yeah, shocked me. But in the same right. 
the songs that were used at those points in the movies fits. And I'm kind of happy we didn't get a soundtrack because while it would have featured some of its tracks in those movies, I think a full-on soundtrack would have like cheapened it in a way, you know? It kind of feels, it feels nice to watch Iron Man and to know there's like three songs and they're perfect songs where they're all, where they are, instead of giving me an entire album of songs that are not featured, songs inspired by the movie that just don't make sense to said movie. You know what I mean? This is my final word on soundtrack. You know what soundtrack I really, really like? Mm. Super Mario Brothers. I'm not trying to say that to be funny at all. I really like the soundtrack and and the score and the soundtrack. It's got Walk the Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. It's got a great cover of Love is the Drug. It's got a like the B hit from Roxette. Like, come on. It's a great soundtrack. I don't care what anybody says. Honorable okay. mention to Iron Iron Eagle. Well, then you know what? I'll go there too. Yeah. I love the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. It's and a great soundtrack. It is. It is. To have one side of the, okay, cassette time, cassette time, <laughs> cassette. cassette time, to have one side of the cassette be the techno music, and then you flip it over and you get all the metal. Yep. Holy hell. That was my first introduction to Typo Negative. And the one track that blew me away, love it till this day, was... Uh, I think something about something bleeds red and it was by mother something. I can't remember the name of it. Mother love bone. What? No, not mother love bone. I can't remember them. Danny says Foxy's homework is watch super Mario brothers. And I wouldn't even tell you to do that. So why do I need to watch it? I've seen it before. I've seen well, it. Many- I used to watch that and repeat as a kid. Because I loved the movie, I still love the movie. That's a kids' movie. If you and if America doesn't get it released on Blu-ray, I'm going to throw something. My only gripe about the movie back then was Samantha Mathis as the princess. That was it. More so because I wasn't a fan of Samantha Mathis. I'm that was my not. only reason. I was like, I didn't like her, so I don't want you in this movie. Other what? than that, I could give a shit. I love the movie. Very often, I see people. <laughs> Very often I see people either while I'm out or people that I've met in my life. And the only person that'll get the reference now, other than you, was Damien, where I go, dude, he looks like the Goomba from fucking the Mario movie. He has that Goomba face. He gets it. He And you get it, too. You just walk up behind him and start swaying him. Mm-hmm. Like they have the, the the teeth and, the, and it's like, you're a Goomba. Oh, you see. OK, so I only have one. You, your one complaint is Samantha Math. Samantha Math. Here's my one complaint about that movie, Mojo Nixon. Mojo He's Nixon. Toad. Oh. You can get the fuck rid of him, please. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I hate that character so much. The best thing they did was shut him up five minutes into introducing him. I'm like, oh, good. He's gonna be quiet now. Yes. The other thing is, as, of course, as a kid, I watched it, and my first reaction was, this is not Super Mario Brothers. But that did not stop me from watching it almost every single year. Nope. I memorized words. Lena, Koopa, chewing, uh, Dennis Hopper chewing scenery around. I don't care. Uh, the sound, and the soundtrack is a perfect mismatch. Mish, 
mash of late 80s, early 90s earworms. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It truly is. I think for my final one uh, we mentioned is um, I, I will mention um, uh, Yellow Submarine. And I'm not talking about the soundtrack where it's just a Beatles record. That's cheating. Is it, though? We just mentioned records with music in it. Technically, it's not cheating. No. But the score is done by their producer, George Martin. And it's a great score. It's just an animated, it's a lush orchestra written for an animation like it would be a Disney movie. And it's just really great. I guess it helps since I've watched it so much that when I hear it, I'm like, oh, I can... Um, you know, I, I can hear, I can see it. It's like Ghost, but when I watch Ghostbusters, I can mm-hmm. see it in the in in the um, in my mind's eye as I watch it. What's the last one for you? You want to mention? You get it? Uh, I'm going to go the opposite way and go with one that's an over fucking rated. The Lion King soundtrack. That shit's overrated. I might be biased on that opinion because I'm not an Elton John fan. I'll try not to be offended by what you just said. Well, here, I'll agree with you. I just, it's overrated. It is overrated. Um, I like the studio version Elton John sings better than those songs with the exception of Be Prepared with Jeremy Irons. How dare you disparage that song? Or Jeremy Irons. How dare you? Sorry. Sorry. You know, it's one of those greatest movies with the greatest soundtracks. And it's just like, is it though? Is it? Because I don't see it. Wow. Blow my mind here with it with this right now. Maybe, I mean, I, I it could be because I'm dead inside. I I might be the only person that did not cry when Lufasa died. No, I root for Scar in that movie. <laughs> did you know that one of the theories online is that Scar ate him? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Hope he did. Hope he tasted good. Because okay, there's a part in the movie. Well, not the movie. I haven't seen the movie. I don't care to watch the movie. In the cartoon movie, where he's holding up a skull and he's talking to it, right? And you're like, hmm, what kind of skull is that? Oh, that's right. The lion skull. Hyenas do not eat lions. The only other predator that would eat a lion is another lion. So mm. Scar not only killed that motherfucker, he had him for dinner. God damn. I've been on a TikTok rabbit hole. Yeah, I get on those at night. <laughs> the Disney, yeah. the, the Disney theories too. Yeah. yeah, I blew Damien's mind away one with one about cars. What was the one about cars? Oh. Okay, so, <laughs> all right. They're dead people trapped in cars' bodies. No, so oh, damn it, this is going to be a letdown. Mater is a tow truck, right? He's a right. dog. Where does he live? In a junkyard. What's a junkyard full of? Dead car. Oh, he's dead. He's full of dead cars. Now, yeah. we practically live in a ghost town. Nobody comes to visit that town anymore. Okay? 
Mm-hmm. And the one person that everyone's just kind of nice to, to not get, you know, whatever, is the guy that lives in a space full of dead cars. Maynard's a serial killer. Kind of blew my mind here. Right! Maynard's a serial killer. Let's move on to emotional songs before I freak out here. <laughs> All right, welcome to part two of this twofer of Manic Mixtape, where right now we're going to be talking about songs that give us the feels, <laughs> that evoke emotion, whether or not it's a sad emotion or an angry emotion, just certain songs get to you, get to that deep place in your soul where you're just like, oh, I felt that, which... Not a lot of songs have the kind of substance that make you go, I fucking felt that. Yeah. Whether it be a good, uh, happy song or a sad song or an angry song, you know, and resonating with music is huge when it comes to my lovely co-host, Dan, Chico, and I. It just, it just reminded me of something Phil Collins used to say when he introed in uh, the song That's All, which I'm sure you know. Yes. Um, where he goes, this next song, it's not really a happy song. And he'd go, and people go, oh, and then you go, but it's not really a sad song either. <laughs> it's just he goes, it's a song that when it turns out that your lover turns out to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's like, that's just when you said it, it reminded me of that. Wow. Sorry, I'm a nerd. What can I say? No, that's why that's I do nerd fine. herders. That's what this show's about. Music nerdiness. You just should have called it nerd me- music herders. Music, music herders. Okay, no, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I like our logo. Yeah, me too. All right. So sorry, we'll, we'll, just go all over place. we'll go all over the place with this one. We don't need a direct format of a sad or a whatever. We're just gonna go never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna disagree, but you've already mapped this out. Go ahead. Can I well, do I... no? I was just gonna say, can I at least open up with my Blade Runner thing? Yeah, go ahead. Just so I don't forget. I know you haven't written it down, but uh, you have it written down, and I have a barely grasp on English word. Um so at the end of the first Blade Runner, there's a song. It's called Tears in the Rain. Have you seen Blade Runner? You know what I'm talking about? It's the it's the monologue. at the. You haven't seen it? Just, oh, okay. Well, I'd say go see it. But when I've been, that's one movie where I've suggested people and it's hot or cold. I'm like, I really liked it. I didn't really like it. I'm like, okay, never mind. Uh, first time I saw it, I was high after uh, wisdom teeth surgery. Mm. So I had to watch it again to make sure it was not just me being high. And I'm like, no, I love this movie. Um, at the end, this guy, Harrison Ford, is chasing replicants, androids. And there's a big fight at the end, but right as they're fighting, his time runs out. His, his, his expiration date's coming. He's going to die. So he, uh, oh, am I keeping you up? No, I'm just kidding. Um, right at the end, as he's right at the fight, you know, he stops, saves him. He was about to kill him. And he stops, pulls him back up on the roof, and he does the tears in the rain speech. And at least do me a favor when the sober looks that up. Okay. Very emotional point where he just tells him, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. And he just does this beautiful, Rucker Howard does this beautiful monologue that he wrote the night before because there was something much longer and much long-winded because it's Ridley Scott uh, in the script. And he wrote this version of it and he set it on stage on the set. And there's this music called, which is called Tears in the Rain by Van Gelis playing underneath it. And I remember I didn't like bawl or cry like, uh, 
but I had, I was tearing up at the end of this. Cut to Blade Runner 2049. Spoiler alert, folks. I didn't put a spoiler alert up for the first one. It came out in 1982. I'm putting up a spoiler alert on this one. So mute yourself for 15 seconds. Um, Harrison Ford is about to... They find out that a replicant and a human can breed. And they're looking for this person. The bad guys are looking for her to... For this kid to either kill or... To kill her and the good guys are to save her. We meet this person in the movie already. And it's not really revealed as this person. Some people figured it out. Uh, <laughs> just by seeing her. Um, it's revealed right before. Go ahead and inside and meet your daughter. Um, and right at that moment, as Harrison Ford walks off, that song plays again because. Um, what Channing Tate? No, not what's this kid? Why Brian, am I? Brian Gosling. Brian Gosling. You know, white guys, they all look the same. Um, he's going to die. And it's just snow. He just falls on the steps and this song starts playing. And it cuts to Harrison Ford. It shows the character walking around to meet him behind this glass. And it just cuts to him putting his hand up to the glass on the song. I'm going to cry now <laughs> when the song starts playing. And I lose it every time I hear that song now. Every oh. time it plays on shuffle and I hear those notes, I'm like... <laughs> I just lose it. My, my number one, we're not numbering them, but the last one I want to mention is going to either shock or go, or you're going to go, what? At the end of it. So, okay. All right. If we're going to go with one that makes, brings on the tears. So, all right. And, and I wish I had a story as to why this song makes me tear up. Trust me, I don't I, have an explanation for a lot of these. Yeah, I don't either. And it's um, Champagne Supernova by Oasis. I mean, I get it. I, I don't really get why. It's because it's not really the lyrics. It's how it sounds. Yes, it's how it sounds. It's the chord. And I'm not talking the shortened for radio version or yeah. no, the long ass version. Somewhere, somewhere in the solo. I just fucking lose it. I could start listening to a song and I'll be like, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. It's a great song and I'm singing along and whatever. And the next thing I know, I'm just tearing up. Where were you while we were getting high? <laughs> I just, I don't know why. I don't have an explanation for it. This song has zero sentimental value to me whatsoever. It just fucking happens. I understand. I, I wish I could explain it. I okay, really fine. So we're going to stick with that. And I, I'm going to sympathize and empathize with you with the, the number one song that it's also. I call it my favorite song ever. Because it's the song I remember the earliest. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Claire de Lune. Uh, and it's a classical piece. Um, for modern for people in the modern age, I guess right now it's best known for the end scene in the remake of Ocean's Eleven mm -hmm. in front of the fountains after they pull off that heist. So at the end of this movie, while everybody's like, 
yeah, we did it. I'm listening to the song and it gets to that last refrain right before it ends. And I tear up every time and I can't tell you why. And it's, you would think it's easier to tell because there's no lyrics to this. Mm -hmm. It's just music. But whenever you get to the last four bars, I'm gone. <laughs> it's just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, on the other extreme, and this song's been mentioned before, there is a song that makes me happy no matter what, no matter how sad I am, no matter what's going on with the world. If I put on Jesus, he knows me. By Genesis, even without the music video. I don't necessarily need the music video to cheer me up. I just need to hear three English kids making fun of TV evangelists, mostly because people who fall for these people are really stupid. And uh, it frankly makes me happy. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. All right. Instant happy song. Instant happy. Instant happy. Instant happy. This song always brightened my day. It'll change my mood in a heartbeat. And I highly, highly recommend anyone try it. Is Good Vibrations. Oh, God, yeah. Sparky Mark and the fucking Funky Bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Instantly. Fucking instantly. All right. It just, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Ugh. <laughs> I know. I, I don't get it. But the minute I hear it, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That song's not faster than a cannonball. You know, I'm going to throw these. Yes. You know, I'm going to throw these references every now and then. Now. Yes, I do. Sometimes I'll even sound like Noel. Which one's the asshole? <laughs> We're both assholes. Which one's the bigger asshole? Is it Noel mm. or Liam? No. Liam. It's no. Liam, Liam, who's the singer? Liam. Yeah, the guy that hates Phil Collins. That guy. That's not why I hate him. I already hated him, and then I heard that shit. I was like, oh, you need to, ooh, ooh, I'm going to hit you with a shovel. <laughs> if I ever see it, just I'm going to shovel you in the face. <laughs> um, this is going to sound weird, but the Mission Impossible theme song really makes me happy. <laughs> okay. I love that goddamn song. It's so old. This is a theme song that stuck with the television show, the reboot of the television show that nobody watched, to the movies. It's never changed. It's like the James Bond main theme. It doesn't change. Every Everything in the movies changed. That that song is still there that that song makes me so happy and 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 just to keep it home we're talking about theme songs the alf theme song that makes me happy for many reasons mostly because it's alf i get it i get it i absolutely get it let's see if there's one extra one that just makes me super happy Huh. See, I told you. Not much many songs that make me happy. You know, there's a lot of songs that make me sad and angry. Yeah, definitely. Bullet, Bullet with butterfly wings. Mm -hmm. Whenever I'm mad, I listen to that. And I'm like, oh, this person needs to die now. <laughs> I don't make the rules. Billy told me. 
Blame it on Billy. I will fell. Getting easier these days. Hey, NWA. Um, Fading Lights by Genesis. Uh, you've actually heard a clip. You would not hear this song. This is a song that won't get played while you're shopping at Chopper. <laughs> uh, but you've heard this song because I've played this song for you after one of the episodes we were talking about Genesis. Yeah. And I was showing you the uh, overhand Mm-hmm. solo by Tony Banks, which made you drop your draw because you're like, wait, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that song, there's a couple things. That album came out after my my great, <laughs> this is, we're opening up Dan's head here. Um, we Can't Dance came out right around the time my dad's mom died. Mama, my, gran- my, my grandmother died very young. She was 57. Oh, wow. She had rheumatoid arthritis and Parkinson's. And she smoked like a chimney. It's just. Um, so that came out around the same time. And this song is about not really about loss, but the time that has passed and moving on mm-hmm. to the next day. And maybe those times will never come back. You don't know. Uh, so that happened that album came out and it's also the last song on the last album Phil was on in the band on so even at the basic standpoint for the band Genesis that's a big deal because I'm a nerd and the connotation that it just came out at the right time for me as a little kid Mm -hmm. that I just get sad when I hear that song and I don't mean like undepressed it just makes me think of my grandmother that song is a. Anytime I hear a note from that song, I see her face or what I think her face still looks like. That still looks like it doesn't look so great right now. Um, thank you. I was just doing that to make you laugh. Um, that's not true because I have a picture of her. I have a picture of my grandfather and grandmother on their wedding day. Uh, and that's what I see in my head is her face. I don't have to look very far to see my grandfather. I just look at my dad. And then I look at me and I go, shit. Well, I'll piggyback off of that one. Completely piggyback. Piggyback off off my grandmother's death. How dare you? Yes. So uh, the song, it always evoked like an emotion in me. It was like, wow, that's a, that's a fucking song, which was uh, instrumental. It's a sleepwalker by Johnny and Santo. And People would recognize it if they had heard it. It's one of the end tracks in the movie La Bamba. And gotcha. And again, mm-hmm. that song that song at first was like, wow, this is this, this is a really good song. The problem with it is as that song plays, you know, you have the character of Bob in the movie screaming the name Richie. Yeah. And that's my dad's name. So now anytime ah. I hear that song, I hear that scene. Uh. Think unfortunately of my father. Jesus. Yeah. I have not watched the movie since because I know I would probably crawl into the fetal position on a floor and fucking die myself. But that song, again, originally it was one of those songs where you hear it and you're like, wow. 
while it's completely instrumental, you feel it pulling at your heartstrings and then to have it associated so closely with that. See, it's the same thing with grandma. Like I, I sympathize, I empathize because there really is no association with, there's no visual association with fading lights to my grandmother, Mm -hmm. but it, it, she will be ever forever tied to that song. Mm-hmm. So, so nine times out of 10, I'll listen to it and I'll still see her face and I won't cry. But then like, I have not heard her voice in I've been alive longer than I've known her, mm-hmm. which was not hard. I, when I was 14, <laughs> I was alive longer. But my point is, is I thought about that. I'll think about that sometimes and mm-hmm. song that'll make me happy. And unfortunately, it annoys everybody around me when I listen to it. Uh, is a song by the Beatles called You Know My Name. Look up the number. Because the only lyrics to that song over and over again is You Know My Name. Look up the number. <laughs> over and over. Like, they'll do a couple bars in a style. Uh, on the next eight, eight or nine bars, they'll switch it to a different style, and it's goofy. It goes from serious at the beginning to kind of goofy to outright comedy, then back to goofy, then to an utter shit show of comedy at the end, where they've gone from saying the words, you know, like at one point, the beginning's like, you know my name. Look up the number. And then it goes to Paul doing a lounge, you know my name. Look up the number over and over again to a point where it does another version of them singing it in a fast way. The last end of the song is just John Lennon mumbling <laughs> while, while lounge music plays and the saxophonist from the Rolling Stones plays a sax solo. That song makes me happy. Uh, I asked Kelly, no song that makes her emotional. Take this ride with me, sports fans. Um, is it, it is because of the song or it's because of the cup. Yeah, it is because of that. You're going to cry while I'm talking about it. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm going to make her cry. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. You know how much hockey means to me. It means that much to her. Okay. My team, unfortunately, will never win while I'm alive. She thought the same. And in 2018, the Washington Capitals made a cup run. And when I say run, they won the cup. And in the montage video, there's a song by Mumford and Sons called I Will Wait. Because it was 44 years, 42, 42. It was 42. They had their 40th and then two more years, they had their cup. 42 years after their franchise started, which, and I say it as a joke, but I'm serious. At one point, they were going to leave in the 80s. They were going to move that team. And one of the teams that stepped up to basically help save the Save the Caps campaign was the Philadelphia Flyers. Don't even get me started on the insensuous nature of those two teams of trading players between and coaches and jokingly, of course. We're not talking about the Blackhawks here. Um, But uh, as a hockey fan and as someone who's watched Kelly suffer 
I saw that happen. And then thought, maybe my time will come soon. It's not. But anyway, the montage video that plays says, I will wait by Mumford and Sons. And now every time Kelly hears it, she's over. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's all over. Anything else? What song makes you happy? That song makes you happy too? That's cheating! You can't think of a Phil Collins song that makes you happy? <laughs> Phil Collins doesn't make you happy? Well, he's not happy, so. Is there Peter? Well, Peter Gabriel's not happy. God, they're depressing. Shit! Yeah. Did you know Red Rain was about murder? Did you know Red Rain was about murder? Do you even know Red Rain? I've heard the name. Yeah, well, I'm 30 years old and I go, oh, it's about murder. Boy, did I feel like an idiot. Because it's in the freaking lyrics that he's drowning this woman. And all these years I hear the song, we're at the concert, the So Anniversary concert, and it's her, it's Kelly and her best friend, his wife, and me. And the visuals on the screen, and I'd seen Peter at this point six times live. But the visuals this time had red in it on the screens. I was like, and I looked over at these two. And you have to, these two have known each other for 30 years at this point. I see the red of light, and I look over in the middle of the song. This song's about murder, and I this is my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> for both of them at the same time. I was like. Oh, great. Wow. I didn't know. And when you when you hear the lyrics, that's another episode we do that lyrics. Or did we do that lyrics that occurred to us already? Did uh, we do that? We, we teased it. Well, we should do that next. Um, I hope you're writing all this down because I ADD yes, and I'll I immediately am. forget. Uh, Shauna's here. Shauna. Um, but that's a, lyrics that occurred to you uh, too late would be the better. Yeah. There's a paper that's going to fall off the back, though. Got it. All right. Happy song. Happy song. Happy song. Song song that makes me instantly happy. Ghostbusters. I'm done. Near turn. (laughs) Opening chord. Opening chord, and I'm instantly happy and jumping around my entire house. Anything, anything by Drama Rama. I don't know that one. You don't? Okay. Have you seen Nightmare on Elm Street 4? Dream Warriors. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's three. Dream Warriors is three. Dream Master, I apologize. Dream Master, okay. No, I was, I'm, I'm, because no, no, I'm going to get confused. Yeah. So, uh, it plays as... That's Yeah, that is. Uh, no, uh, Anything Anything by John Rama is a band from Wayne, New Jersey. This was their most popular song to date and was featured in Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master, and is played in the two montages when Rick and then later his sister Alice are oh. playing Chucks. Yeah, got it. Yeah, okay. Yep. No, yes. it, yeah, yeah, that's kind of iconic at this point. Instant happy. I would rewind that scene over and over just to hear the goddamn song because I could never find the CD at that age. Is it mostly because of the way her brother says "size stupid"? No, okay, because that makes me mad. And she says it. I'm like, that sounds badass. Why were you saying it like that? Now you're dead. No, just just for the song. Yeah, no, it's a great song. It, notice you all you had to say was nunchuck montage. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, I do know that song. Swish, he killed the fish. <laughs> uh, song that makes me happy. Um, go, uh, Ninja Rap, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thank you, Shauna. Yeah. There you, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I think of Super Shredder ruining the concert, and I get hilariously happy. <laughs> 
and I mean Kevin Nash. Um, songs that make me happy. Because I can do 28 that make me sad because I'm just a sad guy. Same. Same. Um, huh? What is it called? What's it? That was your... Oh, my God. So I'm a little late on the Paul Simon train. Okay. Graceland is considered a classic. Uh, and rightfully so. Amazing album. But everybody knows you can call me Al. Which even you're like, well, you've seen that video a bunch of times, I'm assuming, because you know, a bunch of, yeah, exactly. Um, that's a, that's a classic. Um, uh, the the title track and uh, Boy in the Bubble. So there's a song somewhere smack dab in the middle called That Was Your Mother, which is basically a, a New Orleans, it's a New Orleans line. It's just a New Orleans song. It's it's not as he wrote it, but it's in the style of just marching down the street, singing on the on fucking bourbon, going down the street. And it's one of the every time I hear it, I will get up. I will physically get up and dance and march around the house because fucking song is great. I hope you're writing these down because I just realized I didn't write any of these down for the playlist. We're completely screwed with the playlist. <laughs> I don't need to hear it now after the show. God damn it. Uh, another song that makes me happy is um, it's a, it's not a happy song, and I don't mean to pun on Phil Collins, and it is a Phil Collins song, but it makes me happy, is uh, I Don't Want to Know. Okay. And it's one of two songs that wasn't a single off of No Jacket Required because they're lazy. No, I'm kidding. Was it seven songs and five were a single or something weird like that? Or is it ten songs and eight were singles? Something weird like that. Um, uh, I Don't Want to Know is a song about, you know, fuck her. I don't care. I guess that's why it makes me happy because I've had some shit relationships. So whenever I hear that song, I'm just like, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> nice. Good try. I know. All right. I have a song that does both. Yeah. I have two songs that do both. Do both. If you want to cap off the episode at the end that right. way. I'm going to go, not necessarily sad, but not necessarily happy, but one of those songs that just hits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is Try by Pink. It wasn't, unfortunately... One of her biggest hits, which is again so fucking unfortunate, but like it came from her album uh, "The Truth About Love," and in that one, you could tell she poured her fucking heart and soul into those songs and into the the whole album as a whole, the way she curated it. And "Try" isn't a love song, but yet it is a love song because it. It's one of those songs that finally talks about, all right, you fucked up. I fucked up, but I don't hate you and you don't hate me. And we're going to work this shit out like adults, no matter what it fucking takes. And it's so rare to hear a song like that. Usually it's a, I'm heartbroken. Fuck you. You broke my heart, but I still love you. Very rarely do you get a song that's like, we're going to work this out. We're going to fight for what we have, blah, blah, blah. 
And I mean, she's made no secret about the problems that she's had with Carrie Hart over the years. And for her to like, just again, pour her heart out into that song about working out a relationship and fighting for the relationship on both ends mutually, it's, it fucking, it hits. You know, maybe it hits because I've been there, done that, but it's, it's one of those songs where you're just like, yeah, you fight for that person or you're crying and you fight for that person. Like, it just, it tugs at the fucking heart so much. There's a Beatles song that has a similar uh, tone called We Can Work It Out, which is very much like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, listen, we, we, we can do this, you know, and uh, one of the lines is life is very short and there's no time for fussing and fighting. It's literally a lyric. Mm-hmm. It's very, put very plainly. <laughs> um, so I'm going to I'm going to go for my cappers now and you can mention as many other songs you want after this, but I just want to. Yeah. Some four directions. So there's two songs, one that we've talked about before that make me happy or sad, depending on my mood. Because there are songs that can change the course of the mood. And sometimes there's a song that could either justify that mood or change it. And it all depends on the day on this one. And one of them is me and Sarah Jane. I've talked about this at length. Uh, and it always flops between this and any other of the 360 songs that are on record from Genesis of my favorite. And you've heard it and you, and you, you understood that you could twist it to either happy or sad at the end. So this, at the end, this person is either committing to the end and ending his life and just waiting for the water to wash him. Or this person is taking this person by the hand, imaginary or not. She is imaginary. And seizing the day to coin a phrase, to use a cliche. And the other is Hushabye Mountain by uh, from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's a sad song. But sometimes if I listen to it, like the other day I heard it and I was like, yeah. Uh, it's one of, like, it's a sad song that's supposed to inspire hope. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just, in the sadness of it, or sometimes you just, yeah. And also from my childhood, so it brings me back. Hushabye Mountain. And uh, the little trivia, the trivia little talking point I always like telling about that song is um, randomly. It wasn't randomly to him. He likes the movie. That's why he did it. Uh, he used to sing it for his kids. Uh, David Gilmore, Pink Floyd, uh, did an acoustic, uh, semi-acoustic slash full concert in the mid-2000s at Royal Albert Hall. And this whole concert, two hours, two and a half hours, this whole concert, doing all the stuff he did with Floyd and stuff. So just doing all the stuff. And at the end, there's a third encore. He walks on stage with just a guitar. And he sings goddamn hush by mouth. And it's sings the song and then says goodnight and just walks off stage. And I just it blew my I was like, when he starts singing, I'm like, is he fucking is he singing hush by because I bought the thing. The set list is on the back of the damn DVD. I didn't bother reading it on purpose. I didn't want to know. I wasn't there in London. I wanted to so he starts playing, and I'm like, oh my god, I haven't heard this song in 20 years. Ended up 
<laughs> ended up or 10 years. Well, you know, ended up falling in love with that movie again. And I hadn't seen it in years. So thanks, David. Uh, real quick before you go, uh, Shauna. Um, sad song. Are these just sad songs? Mama looks sharp. 1776 Sherman Edwards. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. My one that's kind of like, again, like your, me and Sarah Jane, where it's on a good day, you're like, it inspires, but on a not so good day, you're just like, Ugh, I feel you, is in this moment, Roots, which I've played for you as well. Yep. Again, it's one of those songs where on a good day, it fucking lifts you up and it gives you that fuck yeah motivation to just keep on keeping on. But then listening to it on a bad day and you're like... Yeah. Yeah, I need to. I'm gonna go. I think I need to go pray. Mm -hmm. That's a line from. I, I don't mean that literally. It's a line from Master Shake from Aqua Teen. Sorry. It's fine. I like Aqua Teen. <laughs> That's one that people don't understand. They don't get that reference in time. <laughs> I think I need to go pray. It's during the um. Oh, what is the? They buy the doll, and it's voiced by David Cross, and he's just depressed. Mm -hmm. And he needs pills, and he just wants to kill himself. And he's just talking about <laughs> ending it on. Shakes just staring at him and goes, "I think I just need to go pray." He just leaves. <laughs> you can shake with his friggin'. You can't even describe what it is. He's just like, "Yep." Yeah, I need. I I'm gonna go now. I'm gonna go over there now. <laughs> Look, we, we can go on and on as far as songs that make us sad. Let's be real. I think anybody can. Anybody can. I, I, I've summed it up once when it came to writing where it's like I can write a million different ways to talk about my depression and talk about sadness, talk about happiness, anything just sounds cliche. And it, it's the same when it comes to songs. Like more, I think more sad songs resonate than a happy song simply because sadness always resonates more than happiness when you're it does and the thing is even the happy songs we mentioned they're not really happy songs it's just it's the beat in a sense that makes us a little happy because i mean anything anything lyrically is not a very happy song it's a very angry song but but it's a very happy upbeat type of yeah and i'm, I'm dancing on camera Sorry. That, well, I'm not getting rid of it now. I'm not editing that out. Keeping it. It's better than that. Just let, let, let the record show. Uh -huh, sure. <laughs> you say whatever you want now. You're a beer label. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can. Yeah. All right. So let's cap it off with this. Okay. All we've right. done sad. We've done happy. We've done just regular feels. And we've done the ones that can go either way. Mm -hmm. So. We're going to cap it at that because if we keep going, we might just depress ourselves and everybody else. I'm already depressed. Yeah. I don't really care if anybody else is. I don't <laughs> care. Life is pain. Pain. I don't like myself. <laughs> so that being said. Just despondent looking off in the space. It's like a 90s album cover. 
It is. You look like a '90s album cover when everybody was looking off in other directions. Don't look. wait. Look in the. Look in. The, hold on. Look off in the. Uh, look off to in, in a different direction. There. Get <laughs> <laughs> oh, really deep and contemplative. What's he thinking about? Chicken. Pizza. Thinking about chicken. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> So thank you for joining us for this twofer episode of Manic Mixtape. We will be trying to make a compilation of this for Spotify so you can listen to all the songs that we have mentioned or songs that we're going to pick off of all of these soundtracks that we feel you should be listening to because you should. By God, you ought to be. Yeah, especially listen to me. Twister soundtrack, like you really should. Yeah, yeah, Twister soundtrack. Listen to what I say or you'll pay. Thank you for joining us. If you liked watching this, then be sure to check us out when we are live again for a Manic Mixtape. If you missed it and you just want to rewatch or revisit the other ones, check out youtube.com slash danlaw83 for everything Manic Mixtape that we have done prior. You might just like it. We know you'll like it. We know you will. And if you want to find us all over social media, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Snapchat, all those things under the same handle at Viva Foxy Foxy. You're on Snapchat, hold on. F O X X Y. You're on Snapchat. Wait a second. I use it for the filters, and I never post on. Uh, yeah, damn. I only use it for the filters. Same thing. I have a TikTok. I only watch videos. I have a Snapchat. Oh, anybody out there? Sexy beast. I'll well, send you. I'll send you a picture of my wiener, and I—I I mean the dog. Please do. Oh, I always yeah. I did that once uh, on Periscope. Remember Paris? You may be happy with the Chitty Chitty Bang reference. I was singing that song yesterday. Oh, it's just that's you know what? That's right. Because after I would have stopped watching it for a while, you would have been watching the same VHS I was, Shauna, because you lived there. <laughs> My grandmother had the tape. That's where I watched it all. Um, I did that once on Periscope, almost ADD'd out completely. Uh, I did it once on Periscope where I tweeted, I said, in 10 minutes, I'm going to live stream my wiener. And it was just Roscoe eating lettuce. That's so funny. It's still up there somewhere. I'll, I'll share I'll share that again. I should download that and share it on Snapchat. But, uh, look at I'm snapping my wiener. It's just Roscoe. <laughs> follow, follow all these great jokes at the formerly known as Above Average Comedian, now known as The Other Guy. You know, you know, on social media, DanLaw83, youtube.com slash DanLaw83. What I'm trying to say is DanLaw83. Good night, Foxy. Good night, love.